Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Sports betting season is in full force. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com. They have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That is 800-MY-BETUS. And you will receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code 5. That's the word 5, F-I-V-E. They also have re-up and referral bonuses as well. Follow my lead and open an account with BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. Let me tell you about Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest way to play fantasy football this season. Just draft. No need to worry about waivers, lineups, or injuries. Underdog Fantasy handles it all for you. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Draft a season-long best ball team, and that's it. No in-season management. You can even bring over your home league over to underdogfantasy.com. You get $25 upon sign-up, so you can take a free shot at a million-dollar grand prize for their fantasy football tournament. Again, you get $25 free in bonus cash when you use the code 5RSN to sign up. It has never been easier to take a shot at a million-dollar prize in their best ball mania tournament. Go to underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, or Google Play Store, use the promo code 5RSN, and get $25 in bonus cash. Sign up today. U-Break Wheel Fix is a wheel repair and remanufacturing company with over 20 years of experience. They specialize in complete wheel repair, repairing wheels from curb rash, bends, and cracks. They also specialize in refinishing from polishing, machining, and custom colors that will suit your car's needs. Lastly, U-Brake Wheel Fix offers a full array of factory and custom wheel and tire applications. Contact them at 305-748-0112. That's 305-748-0112 or at U-Brake Wheel Fix on all social platforms. This show is brought to you by Lewis Peters State Farm, agency representing the number one auto and home insurer in the United States. For more than 60 years, 
combined experience in the insurance industry. Local agents that understand South Florida's unique market, you have access to them 24-7, walk in, call in, click in through lewispeters.com. You can find them online on social media at Peters, or you can call at 305-275-5585. Remember, lewispeters.com. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Caddy. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. Simon Clancy is not here because he's still in a hospital. I think he's getting discharged tomorrow, and he has promised that he will be back by Monday. Chris Kaufman is also not here. Because he's detained because he has to do something that I can't disclose on here. It's it's interesting. Maybe he'll talk about it on the next show. But it is rather interesting. So in there, Stead, we have Michael Christian. Now you're asking, who the fuck is Michael Christian? Well, Michael Christian is the host of The Extra Yard. Okay, it's a show on the Five Reasons Sports Network. They go every Tuesday and every Thursday. I think you'll enjoy what he has to say about the team. Maybe not, but I'll have him introduce himself to you in a second. But first, as always, we are brought to you by Manscaped. Use the promo code 5RSN. Get 20% off your entire order. Michael, introduce yourself to our vast and giant audience. Yeah. First of all, thanks for having me, Alfredo. Uh, I've been listening to this podcast for literally the entire time. I've known that Dolphins podcasts were a thing. This was the first one I listened to. Uh, I was lucky enough to join the network and you know, and doing dolphin shows with you and everything. We have the extra yard. We are an extension of three yards for carry. Uh, it's great to be here. It's fantastic to talk to you. We get to talk all the time, but now we get to do it with this vast audience. Like you like to say, I appreciate that intro, even though, you know, you were right. People don't know who I am and that's just the truth of it. But I think if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Chris Kaufman trying out to be an offensive lineman for the dolphins. I thought that's why he wasn't here tonight. That that's just what I'd heard, you know, through the rumors and everything. Well, if if he just fell down in front of some some you know pass rushers, it would be better than what they've put on tape so far this season. At least a few of those guys, right? Yeah, I mean, he really could just go out there and just stand there, let them run right by him. I mean, that's basically the Dolphins' offensive line. So I don't know if you saw that. I don't know if you saw that. That did you see that clip, that video that Kaufman actually put out of Austin Jackson and Jesse Davis? First of all, Jesse Davis was on the floor. Yeah, and Austin Jackson just standing there, like you know enjoying the sights enjoying the weather in tampa i don't know if you saw it yeah it's, it's like embarrassing in the, it's like in the movies when you have someone that it's like maybe there's like a butterfly in the distance and they're just completely distracted right where you have like a gentle giant kind of thing and he's just like off staring at nothing it's like bro you're in the middle of a play get back into it no that's cool yeah that's fine it's probably the same yeah it's like uh i remember uh coach spo eric spolstra coach of the heat had said once if your shot's not falling or you know, the ball is not finding you on rebounds. There's always something else you can do. Go block a shot. Go hustle for a loose ball. Play some defense. Austin Jackson seems to not believe in any of that stuff because he was just uh, a lot of loafing is what we saw. And I think it's I think he's on thin ice already as, as a left guard. I don't know if this is for long. I think that what he probably needs, and I don't know what you think, but I don't think it's a bad idea to just shut it down for a little while, give him some time off, and just retrain him because there's obviously something wrong with him. This is not the same guy 
that played even last year toward the end of the year. This is not the same guy. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I know that's a really good point. I remember last year, the offensive line, you know, all of us as Dolphins fans and Dolphins media and all this stuff, we're all defending the offensive line to everyone that came at them because admittedly last year, the offensive line wasn't that bad. It wasn't a great offensive line, but it was mediocre. And at this point, mediocre compared to what we have is amazing. I mean, we would literally cry tears of joy watching that. And so Austin Jackson was part of that. And he looked fairly good at the beginning of last season. Then he got hurt. And when he came back, it wasn't the same, but you didn't expect this kind of drop off from him. I mean, everyone was ready to panic after the preseason. Chris Kaufman had kind of preached it, you know, let's have a little bit of patience. I believe that as well. And then it's just been a dumpster fire ever since with him. So yeah, I think the best thing to do is probably just sit him down and let him get his head straight because right now he looks all sorts of turned around to the point where he's literally doing nothing on plays. Like he's just standing there and I, I don't see how much worse it can get. It's like those college football blunders where they hike the ball, but four of the offensive linemen don't move and never get up out of their stance. That's basically yeah. what he's been doing all season. He's going to get multiple people killed. Let's, let's rethink all of this flow, please. Yeah. And, and, Speaking of flow, uh, supposedly he's going to announce the starting quarterback on Friday. He better not be pulling any of this bullshit on us. It better be Tua Tungvalo, and that's it. End of story. Okay. The good news is that Tua's been throwing all week. Nobody's seen him practice because, you know, they don't allow the media to see practice. But I don't know why this, this cloak and dagger stuff, when they're four and one or when they're 10 and six, people kind of dig it because they're like, ah, you know, he's. Bill Belichick Jr. When you're one and four, it's it falls flat. I don't know what you think about it, but I think it's just it's kind of stupid at this point, right? I, I I agree with you completely. So my thought process is, and it's exactly what you said. That stubbornness is completely admirable when you have no expectations and you lead a team to five and eleven, or you have light expectations and you end the season ten and six. But when you have expectations and things go wrong immediately and you have no answers for what you're doing, you have no sort of solutions that you're coming up with to the media and you're just being stubborn over and over and everything is day to day and everything is all this stuff. People start rooting against you when you're this bad and you're not giving anyone any answers. I'm not telling people what to do with flow. Everybody has a right to their own opinion. But at a certain point, the stubbornness kind of you know reaches a boiling point. And we're at that right now. Yes, it was with Jacoby Brissett. Yes, it was. But you're being really stubborn. You're not being open and honest. Use the execution word about the players and everything. It's one of those things you have to sit back and think, okay, we need to know that you see the problems and you're actively trying to fix them. We don't need you to tell us exactly what you're doing, but don't be coy. We know that there are problems. You have to know there are problems. Admit it. Let's get better. He just keeps doing this. We'll figure it out in-house, and it's been four weeks now, and nothing's been figured out ever since Tua went down. Yeah, and as far as news, it seems like the entire team is headed to, to London. Some of them are getting a, a free vacation, I guess. On the injury report, Devontae Parker showed up there. I know, big surprise, right? Uh, Xavier Howard was on there. Preston Williams showed up again, which is uh, Preston Williams made a play in the Tampa Bay game, then came off to the side. And when you saw him come off to the side, did you say, okay, not this again, right? Like, like what's wrong with him? Like, he, he gets an injury a second. He's actually worse than Devontae Parker because he actually doesn't play. Devontae Parker at least shows up every once in a while. Yeah, but- like Devontae Parker's had his moments. Preston, it's always the same. It's 
four to five weeks into the season, he's not doing much. Then in two weeks in a row, he explodes. He's what's like, there's that talent we saw in the off season. And then he goes down and he's out for the rest of the year. It's, come on. Yeah. Do you get the sense that there's something in the works? Cause I don't know. Um, it, it was an odd week. I thought how they elevated Preston Williams. Uh, they moved them straight up from inactive to the starting role and to big snap counts against Tampa Bay. And I guess, you know, if, if you watch the plays where he was lining up, he was primary receiver for a lot of that. Do you think that the writing could be on the wall and one of them could be traded inside of the next, I guess, what, three weeks? Because the deadline is November 2nd. I mean, that's a really tough question to ask because that's one of those where, in my opinion, if they traded away one of either Preston or Devontae Parker, I think they'd want to get a wide receiver in return just because you have a room that is probably the most injury-prone room in the entire NFL. It's top to bottom. I mean, between Will Fuller, Albert Wilson, Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, they have a history of these things happening. So I don't see how you can willingly give one of them up in the hopes that the others stay healthy because you don't know what you're going to get out of them. So for me, I'm sticking through with all of these guys right now. I'll figure out what to do with them later on, right? Next season. If it was before the season, I had kind of mentioned trading away Preston because I think he was still young enough that you could probably get something decent in return and you'd never really seen it completely out of him. So if we're going to trade anybody, I say Preston, but I have a hard time seeing them trade any of these wide receivers when at any given point, you could be missing three out of the four of them. And so if you trade them away, who are you going to play? We're going to go back to Mac Hollins and, you know, at least it's not Jakeem Grant now, but what do we have left? You know, like they got to figure out that wide receiver room. Didn't they just add, uh, what was it? Travis Fulgham, I think is the yeah, name from the, from the Eagles. Yeah. Which, which, which is part of, uh, I guess that's part of my question. Like, you know, there's a lot of things that are pointing to maybe one of these guys is not going to survive the month. And it seems like Preston Williams though, is unhappy as well. Cause didn't he tweet out also, he tweeted out like an emoji after he was made inactive, even though as far as we know, he's healthy. Yeah. But but he also had that that mystery injury last year, <laughs> and then he just disappeared for the rest of it. Like, do you think that this this coaching staff? It's just speculation. Like, I have zero information on this. But do you think that this coaching staff gets a little bit too cute by making guys inactive and putting guys on IR? It, it, it seems like you know now out of all these guys, it seems like, and we talked about this on the last podcast. It seems like Tua could have played earlier. He probably didn't need to go on IR. Uh, Michael Dieter, it seems like, yeah, like that was absolutely necessary. But sometimes some of these guys just completely disappear or they just don't play them or they say, oh, he's injured, but he's kind of not injured. And like, look what happened with Lim Bowden Jr. Now they probably need Lim Bowden Jr., but he's on the IR that you can't bring him back from. So he's out for the season. Do you think they play a little bit too fast and loose with, with the the IR designation and the inactives, this coaching staff, do you think so? Yeah, they definitely do. And they play the whole injury game much weirder than you'd expect for a team that seems as willing to welcome injury prone, you know, potentially injury prone players. I mean, you can take this back a really long ways. I mean, let's all be honest. Two is who he is. Two is a, you know, he had all that promise coming out of college. I'm not combating the pick here. I am a two a fan. But Tua had an injury history that all of us were aware of. You know, this past offseason, when they bring in somebody like Will Fuller, who has 
in injury history as well. They make sure to extend guys like Xavier Howard, who also have injury histories. They seem very open to, okay, I don't care about your past. We can keep you healthy here and make it work. And then when it doesn't, they get very coy and weird. And they're like, yeah, we'll just throw you on IR. Yeah, you look healthy enough to play. We'll just throw you out there, even though, you know, the cornerbacks may or may not have been dealing with certain groin issues or anything else like that this past week. Like, there's a lot of weird ways that they handle this. And like I said, for a team as open to taking players with these kind of medical histories, it's super strange. And I'm not really sure what the thought process is there. Yeah. Now let's talk about the season because really the season has been, I don't know, it's it's been the, the worst worst case scenario, really, all the way around. Like, uh, I don't know, you know, how other way to put it, right? I mean, barring the one fumble by Damian Harris in week one. Right. Like if he doesn't fumble that ball, most likely they keep it in the red zone. They kick the field goal. The game goes how it goes. Then you're absolutely worst case scenario. So that one fumble is saving us from complete anarchy, even though we're basically there. <laughs> yeah. Although I would argue that. And if you saw the and we talked about this on on the earlier podcast this week. Did you see the the Browns Chargers game this past weekend? I did. What a heck and shootout, man. <laughs> Yeah, but you saw how uh, the Browns got the ball back with three minutes and 58 seconds left up yep. one. Kind of familiar, right? Does it sound familiar to you? They, what did they, they pushed Austin Eckler into the end zone, right? They literally picked him up. Well, that was at the end in. of the game. At the end of the game. But Cleveland could have iced it by just getting one first down. But oh, they, yeah. they went run pass, and then they ran it on third and 10 and essentially gave up. Dolphins didn't do that in week one. Dolphins actually went for it to try to get first downs because – face it at three at 343 or whatever it was for the dolphins it was still a losing situation because you put yeah. right there they're gonna drive it right down and kick the field goal and beat you and let's you give know? credit where it's due right like well from what i've heard and i'm sure you guys know this better than i do but wasn't it two of that decided to go with that pass to parker yes right on the on the read yeah. right yeah i mean so, so he called an audible and threw the backside slant you know which took balls but that play actually won them the game. So, but you look if you look at the rest of what's happened, first of all, they've had relative health, right? Right. Especially on the defense. But everything that, because, you know, we expected, okay, uh, Tua might miss a game. But you didn't expect them to miss, you know, the, most of one and then three straight games. Yeah, you didn't expect IR from him. Not, not this season and not with that injury, especially with what we'd heard that he wanted to go. Yeah, so you didn't expect that, right? And then you didn't expect, okay, yeah, all these wide receivers, yeah, they're they're injury prone, okay? But you didn't expect all of them to be injury injured at the same time and, and then miss time. And then Will Fuller can't get on the field. And then he's gone for one week for no reason, and nobody knows why he was gone. Like, everything that could have gone wrong so far in the first five games has gone wrong. Which kind of makes me think, you know what? It, it can't keep going wrong, and maybe it's about to turn for them. Maybe. And and let's not sugarcoat it. The backup quarterback that probably instilled at least a certain level of confidence coming into the season was much worse than anyone would have anticipated. I'm not saying he was great anywhere else, but I hadn't watched enough Jacoby Brissett to really think he was as bad as he was these past four weeks. 
Well, that's a that's a that's like a, a it's twofold, right? It's a double edged sword, really. Uh, you have a mistake in that you identified Jacoby Brissett as the guy that would step in for for Tua in case he got injured. That was obviously a mistake because what you want for your backup quarterback is for him to be able to sneak out a win somewhere. He went on four. Like, yeah. you know, there, there's no sugarcoating that. And then the other strike is that your starting quarterback wasn't available for three and three quarters games. So right. that, that goes against him as well. But I think that the biggest surprise, and I don't know if, if you have another one, let me know. The biggest surprise is that this defense, it's just been bad. Man. Aside from aside from a, a few plays against New England, which, yeah, they, they were pretty good there. I thought they played okay against the Raiders. Against the Bills, they had good statistics, but they couldn't keep the Bills out of the end zone. And let's face it, that offense was a, an unmitigated disaster. I mean, that's the number one team in the AFC right now, according to basically everybody. Yeah, but the last two weeks, I think it's fair to say these last two weeks, the Dolphins' defense have has been a disaster against the Colts and especially against the, the Bucks. It's very strange because, I mean, and I'll even take it all the way back to week one. Um, you know, you got to give credit to Mac Jones in that game because Mac Jones played a very good game for what he needed to do in his first game ever in the NFL. But even then, a lot of at least I felt like, man, that defense didn't look as strong as I expected for a defense that I was thinking would end up being top five going up against a rookie in his first ever performance with very few weapons. And then you have the Bills game where, like you said, statistically, it looked fine, but it's the Bills and two went down and everybody seemed deflated. The Raiders game, I thought they played well, but then the, the Bucks and the Colts, it was like, why aren't you doing anything that we expected? Like at some point, you wanted to see the defense step up and, and kind of keep up the job for the offense, which you know wasn't going to be good enough. And the defense just never got it together. I mean, you made Carson Wentz look unbeatable. Mo Ali Cox, who, I mean, aside from having a fun name that people like to bring up in terms of fantasy, isn't the most relevant tight end absolutely sunned Eric Rowe, which was horrible to see. And then you play the Buccaneers, which was already a pretty scheduled loss from the before the season. I think all of us would have penciled that one as, as a loss for the Dolphins. But that defense looked like they couldn't do a single thing. Leonard Fournette was eating. Antonio Brown was eating. Mike Evans was eating. Chris Godwin was eating. And thank God I played Tom Brady in fantasy because he absolutely torched us. There, there's no point what I've felt confidence in this defense aside from maybe a few drives against the Raiders. And now moving forward, it's like, what is Tua even coming back to? Because the one strength we did have seems to be gone. Yeah. And, and it could have been schematic or it could have been, who knows? Maybe those two guys really were injured. Maybe Byron Jones and Xavier Howard really weren't up to, up to the task to guard, to guard uh, Antonio Brown and Mike Evans. But yeah, Tom Brady had the greatest game of his career. And it was a whitewash. Like the the defense at no point competed in that game, and I think it was it was it carried over from the Colts game, and and now the season is essentially on the line against the Jaguars. So yep. I don't know what what defense is going to show up. But here's what I find really really interesting: their top four draft picks this year: Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips, Javon Holland, Liam Eikenberg. So far, that is a a home run of a draft so far. Yes. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it's been great top to bottom for those guys. I mean, Jalen Phillips, who admittedly started a little bit slow, 
But again, it's a rookie. You kind of expect these things and especially defensive line, right? Where it's constantly you going up against that other guy in front of you. It's a lot of physicality. You got to kind of get used to it. He's been coming on really strong the last few weeks. Javon Holland has kind of exploded, you know, right off the bat. It's nice to see them hitting on these draft picks because I don't like that. We have to always bring it back to that. But you look back on that previous draft and a lot of those picks, they're not even out there, right? Like yeah. Noah Igbenogany is literally not out there. Austin Jackson is mentally not I, out there. I think he's making the trip to, to London. And I think AJ is also making the trip to London, although you wouldn't want him to. But, <laughs> you know, my point is you're getting a lot of production out of these rookies. And you, you kind of like this draft, but it's really not translated to wins. Is it, could it be just as simple? And we're going to learn so much on Sunday. Mm-hmm. If they go out there and they just smoke the, I know it's the Jaguars. I know they're zero five. I know it's Urban Meyer. You know, I don't. I don't think we're going to spend a lot of time talking Jaguar football here <laughs> in the pregame. All right, I understand all of those things. But if the Dolphins all of a sudden look like a machine and and annihilate the Jaguars on Sunday, man, the season was essentially lost because of your backup quarterback because you make a you made a bad decision in the offseason with who you got as your backup quarterback. Because it really could be as simple as that. Had they just snuck out a win somewhere, right? Absolutely. Because you put yourself, like the Dolphins have put themselves now in a position where there is no room for error. None. We know that there are down weeks in the NFL. The, The statement any given Sunday is absolutely true. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers just won a Super Bowl. The Dolphins did have a chance to win that game. Was it likely? No. Were the percentages high? Absolutely not but they had a chance to win the game. And that is what makes the NFL so great. But now that they've lost these games and games that are so winnable, I mean, the Raiders spotted the dolphins, 14 points, just handed them 14 Mm -hmm. points to start off the game. And they couldn't get anything going. The Colts who were one of the worst teams in the AFC didn't have that great of a game. Absolutely beatable. They lose that one too. Now all it takes is one down week for the Miami Dolphins in the season feels lost because you've got tough games coming up. It's just not a lot of them, but you lose maybe one of the two games against the Jets, right? You don't win a game against the Falcons. It, the whole season's done. Yeah, they got to they got to run like uh they got to run the table on every single every single game that they're favored in, which is starts this week, okay? And yep. next week by the way, they'll be favored again. So, every single game that they're favored in, the rest of the year, they got to win them all. They have to win every single one of them. And the crazy thing, too, is they have to do plenty of them in a convincing enough fashion to start making up ground with not only fans, but the media. And in my opinion, I think maybe even some players in that locker room to start believing in what we were believing before the season started. Right. We had all these high hopes and expectations. You've had the opportunities presented to you, even though Tua was down. You had winnable games, even with a backup quarterback. You never capitalized. And now it's on everyone to do well. And Tua's coming into a situation where he can't have a bad game. I mean, he has one bad game. Everyone's going to jump on top of him. So it starts this week against the Jaguars in London. Honestly, at this point, a win is a win. I'll take it however I can get it. But if you're talking about a really low-scoring game that the Dolphins just barely squeak out a one-point victory, man, that's going to be a long flight home for them. Yeah, not only that, but you got to think that they're already looking at the roster. And because I heard I heard somebody today saying, oh, you know, a purge is on the horizon. Well, you know, just look at the Dolphins roster. There's nothing to purge there. 
you're not gonna, you know, who are you going to purge? You're not going right. to purge guys that are playing well, right? Like, are you going to pur- who are you going to purge from the off- from the defensive line? Are you going to purge Zach Sealer? Absolutely not. Kristen Wilkins, Adam Butler, those are good players. Like, those are the ones you want to keep, right? Yep. So you're talking about like purging what off of the edges, right? Like, uh, I don't know. Like, maybe like what is it that you're going to purge? Like, obviously, you're going to overhaul the offensive line. Like, that's that's coming. Right. I mean, before the season started, we might have said you might have had a couple guys at the cornerback position that, oh, you know, they just didn't work out. We can purge them. But I mean, Justin Coleman has looked atrocious <laughs> all season. Right. Uh, Jason McCordy, he's been uh, fine, but it's not anything that's going to really blow your mind. We're at a point with this roster. And I love that you guys said this when we picked him up where Austin Reader and I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it, where Austin Reader gets picked up off a practice squad and we're all rejoicing. He was on a practice squad, guys. Yeah, but That's the good the thing about yeah, but the, the thing about Austin Reader is that uh, he has that that magic card, meaning that he started like sixteen games for a Super Bowl champion. <laughs> right. Listen, you know at I mean? this point, so, play Austin so be- Reader wherever. Yeah, because so so because he snapped the ball to the guy who threw it all over the lot and won a Super yep. Bowl. You're like, okay, he has to be good, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, it's like the it's like the 14th guy on an NBA bench that wins a championship ring, and he didn't see a single minute at any point in the playoffs. And it's like, well, he has a championship ring. Let's bring him in for a championship presence. Like, what? Yeah, you know, what, what is he doing? Yeah, no. What's obvious is that that uh, Tua Tagovailoa being out these four games has exposed a lot of things that he would have masked, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, because I think that his presence alone. Because remember, they, they tend to play a lot of complementary football with with him around. I think they squeak out the Colts game, and we're probably not even happy. I, I, in fact, I'll make this prediction: Had two have been playing all this time, I think they would be three and two, and we'd be talking about you know what? They're not a very good three and two. <laughs> I I completely agree with that because that Raiders game, yes, you get spotted fourteen points, and I think you and I can say this very confidently: Tua does not throw that pass to Jalen Waddle two yards oh. into his own end zone. Absolutely not. And if he does, it's really, really accurate. And Jalen Waddle gets out of the end zone. Right. He at least dives out because it hit him in the chest and he can at least reach for it. My goodness. Like, I, I agree with you. I think they're three and two. He has to come back really strong in these upcoming games. And my thing with this team is the identity doesn't make any sense to me because in my opinion, well, they built none. a team. Right. But like they built a team that I think could actually be really good at throwing the ball a lot and throwing it early building a lead and when you have the lead and the other team has to throw the ball a lot that should be the what the team is hoping for because stopping the run is never going to be their strength if they're going to have any strength and it's on by defense, design and it's right. by design really if they're going to have any strength on defense it's going to be stopping the pass that's where you have all the money in you put all of it there you we've seen it happen before learn to do that again if you can get them a lead you're going to be playing some great complimentary football. They'll start getting some turnovers and then you can slow the game down. But they have this obsession with let's try to run the ball early and then it doesn't work out. And then last week they completely abandoned the run because they can't do it, but they didn't even try. So mm-hmm. I don't think anybody in that building knows what they are. And I think losing to uh, expose that, but even with him, I can't confidently say they would have had an identity. And that moves us into the game. All right. They're playing. 9.30 a.m. in London against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're getting some good news on the injury front. It looks like the entire team is healthy. Okay. And um, don't quote me, but it seems like Xavier Howard and Devontae Parker are expected to play on Sunday. 
but we shall see if they practice tomorrow in London. But the Jaguars are, mi- are going to be missing their best defensive player in Miles Jack. Yep. Shaq Quarterman, remember him from UM? Yep. He's replacing him in the, in, the, in the lineup. If you look at their team, they have some nice players, okay? Josh Allen is really, really good off of the, off of the edge. If Austin Jackson was still there <laughs> at left tackle, he would have an issue. Thing is, Josh Allen might be rushing from the weak side, and if it's Jesse Davis, then we might have our own issues there, right? Yeah, that would be yeah. a bad time. Uh, they have some other nice players, but let's face it, this is not a very good team. This is a team that they looked great against Cincinnati a couple weeks ago, and then it was just an absolute collapse. Okay. But the reason they look good against Cincinnati was because Trevor Lawrence, yeah, he's making a lot of mistakes. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you've watched them play as advertised, worse than you expected, better than you expected. What do you think? Man, that's a tough one because I, so I was never the biggest Trevor Lawrence fan. I don't know why. I just, there was something about him that I was like, I think he can be really good, but he has to be like, he seemed like the kind of quarterback to me that if you put him in the right system, he's absolutely going to light it up. But a number one overall pick rarely gets into the right system because that team is picking first overall for a reason. Mm -hmm. You pair him with urban Meyer, who I think is an absolute terrible head coach and we don't even have to get into the wildness that was everything he did (laughs) that team isn't very good he was going to have a hard time succeeding and this is the first time i think basically in his entire football career since high school where he doesn't have the advantage where he's coming into a place where everybody is just as good if not better than he and his team are and he's going to have to make up that difference and he's forcing it a bit i you know what i actually think he looks slightly better than i thought because I thought he would look absolutely atrocious. He's made mistakes, but I got to give him credit for trying to make something happen. He's saying the ball is in my hands. I'm going to do what I can, and I'm going to do what I think is right. And I'm fine with that because my thought process is if you're a quarterback, you're just all in balls out, man. Do what you got to do. If you throw the interception, throw the interception, come back and throw a touchdown on the next one. Be aggressive, be forceful with the ball, stamp your place on that team. I like that from him so far, honestly. Yeah, and... Uh, I guess we could talk about a little bit about this. Uh, Dolphin offense. Look, we're not even going to entertain uh, Brian Flores' nonsense from you know from today, which is Thursday when we're recording this. He says he's going to announce uh, the starting quarterback on Friday. We expect it to be Tua Tungvalu, and if it's not Tua Tungvalu, I'm not even watch the game. Okay, okay, <laughs> all right. It's so, way too early to watch a game quarterback by Jacoby Brissett. One p.m., four thirty. <laughs> that's fine, right? Nine thirty in the morning. Jacoby, nah, I'm good. I'll sleep in. Yeah, so let's not even entertain that stuff, okay? What do you expect from the Dolphin offense? Because, And I guess I'll start it off here. Man, at some point, you got to get your identity, right? You got to put a stamp on what you are and what you will be going forward. I think it's time that they get back to what they worked on in the preseason and what they worked on in training camp and actually implement it in games. They tried to implement it at times against the Patriots in week one because, to be honest with you, I, I tend to toss the rest of it because the rest of it was Jacoby Brissett. You know what I mean? Right. Although you, I guess you could look at the Tampa Bay game and say, you know what, that's kind of like what they were doing. So, yeah. Well, there was ex- a couple drives against the Colts, too, that Jacoby looked pretty good where he was just lobbing it up to the guys out there because that is what they do. Yeah, and and I'm sorry. You know, Mike Gusecki has to play more snaps than he's playing. They got to stop with all of this specialized crap because 
yeah, I understand. Oh, it's it's a tell when he's when they're you know when he's in there that they're gonna throw the ball. Well, then run the ball when he when he's in there. It's only a tell because you're making it a tell by bringing him in only when you're throwing the ball. You know, so it, it, that's on the coaches as well. Which you know that's another thing. Uh, George Godsey seems like he's gonna be making he's gonna be making all the calls now. He's calling all the plays, so they're cutting out everybody else from the the equation, which is a good thing. Yeah, well, was it four, five, six other people? <laughs> I don't know the yeah. exact number, but it, it seemed like to, it was climbing every week. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Charlie Fry may have called the play. Uh, Studsville may maybe have called the play. Godsey may have called the play. Brian, I Flores think they used the Ask the Madden play. feature for Madden as well. You know, it gives you three plays, yeah. and they picked one of the three. I think they tried that at one point. Yeah, but I think it's time, man. Get 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 to what you wanted to be in in training camp. What you wanted to be in the preseason. Spread it out. Use spacing, okay? Space out your guys. Let Tua do what he's best at, okay? And, yes, maybe he gets a little pressure. You know, Tua's pretty good at getting rid of it. Build a game plan around that. Get some spacing and then start building your identity off of that and just play your best players. You have to play Mike Gusecki more. And, quite frankly, Malcolm Brown should be a goal line guy, if that. And if, you know, he, he should spell Savon Ackman and Miles Gaskin whenever they need a blow. Other than that, he shouldn't be playing too much. No, but, he, yeah, he definitely shouldn't. Get back to what you were good at in the preseason, what you were trying to be, and then start building your identity there. I know it's, it's kind of weird that we're doing it in week what? It's going to be week six now. Yeah. Okay. Week six is where they're going to get to their identity, but. Better now than never, right? And it's it, you know to be honest, with you, it's it's really only you know to a second start, you know. So might as well get into that identity. Uh, I don't know what you think. Uh, any any tweaks you would do to what the offensive game plan should be against the Jaguars? Yeah, and that's where I mean I think you would just have to be uh, completely blind to think oh they just got to keep doing what they were doing because none of what they were doing was working. So it kind of makes it obvious where let's just try the opposite or those four, five, six offensive drives that the Dolphins have had this season that have been really good. Keep doing that. For me, it comes down to uh, this is the statement game, in my opinion, for not only the team and Tua, but this coaching staff as well, because Brian Flores needs this win. The, The talks have already begun. We know how quickly Dolphins head coaches enter that hot seat to the point where people were talking about him being on the hot seat before the season started. And we all called them crazy, right? But here we are. It's one in four. It hasn't worked out. If he ever wanted to kind of step back and prove this is why I'm here. This is why I'm the guy. This is a pretty nice way to do it. You're playing potentially the worst team in the NFL. Everybody in their power rankings has the Jaguars either 32nd or 31st. The team looks like they've almost quit on their head coach because the head coach did the same to them a couple weeks ago. So this is the time for you to show up and show out. Okay. Go out there and throw the ball. Show us why you believe in Tua. Show us why you went and got all those offensive weapons. I'm not telling them to go out there and score 60 points because that's an outrageous amount, but they need to score upwards of, I'd say, 20, 24 points for me. Right, You need to be higher than that because this Jaguars defense is not good. You invest a lot into all of these pieces, and it's not like we've never seen it before. 
everybody always talks about it. Tua's game against the Cardinals. That was crazy. What was amazing about that game was they let Tua free. They let him do what he thought was best. He looked comfortable. He was just slinging it around however he wanted. Then they play the Chargers. They get a really early lead, so they don't throw the ball as much. And then the Denver game comes, and it's just a really frustrating performance for the offense across the board. So that's when they started going away from him. But the best he's ever been is whenever you're letting him go out there and sling the ball. I'm not saying I'm going to be happy if Tua goes out there and scores and has three touchdowns with three interceptions. But what I would be happy with seeing that is that I would I would believe they let him do what he wanted, what he was comfortable with, and gave him free reign. Just give Tua free reign. You live and die by what he does. Because honestly, at this point, your careers are going to live and die by whatever he does. Yeah, I'd say call all those scissors concepts, all those deep shots. Let let him go. Just be aggressive. It's what he's best at. It's what he was good at in the preseason. It's what you wanted to build here. I understand you don't have Will Fuller. Doesn't matter. Albert Wilson's going to have to do in this in this game. You're not playing a great opponent. All right, moving on to the defense. Oddly enough, yeah, the Jaguars are bad because they give up 30 point four points per game you know who, uh well 30.8 points per game you know who gives up 30.4 points per game the, the Dolphin miami defense. dolphins <laughs> yes so it's been two terrible games okay yeah. i could i could make cases for the first three but yeah those last two jesus those were those are two horrible performances uh how would you i don't know how much you've watched of trevor lawrence but it seems like if you speed him up it's it's not a good thing for yourself. I think you want to have a lot of guys in coverage and let him make mistakes. I don't know how you would play it. I don't know how you would play with our defense against Trevor Lawrence, but you know, I guess it has to start with trying to get pressure with as few people as possible. I don't know. What do you think? No, I mean, that's a good point. So that's, that's one thing. So I think that's the way that kind of the, the, Belichickian people kind of want to play defense against rookies is force the rookie to beat you and make the right decisions. That doesn't mean speed them up and kind of force them to do it off of instinct. Give them time to think, give them time to look across the field and see what's open and assume that they're not always going to make the right read. Now, going back to week one against Mac Jones, that's what they tried to do. They mixed up the coverages a lot. They played man, they played zone. They didn't rush too many people too often. And they said, Mac, make the best read. And honestly, he did a lot of the time. Trevor Lawrence is going to try to force some things. He's going to try to force some balls into, you know, these tight windows where you don't think it really fits and somebody's going to be able to eat off of it. Most likely Xavier Howard, right? And your hope is that Trevor Lawrence thinks to himself, okay, let me not throw it to Xavier Howard's side of the field. Let me throw it somewhere else. And someone like Javon Holland, Nick Needham, Byron Jones, they step up and they make a play. Force Trevor Lawrence to beat you and make the right read every time. If you leave people back, I don't think he's got the legs that are really going to burn you. He can run it well, but he's not, you know, a Josh Allen or anything like that. Force him to make those right reads. He is going to mess up because he's a rookie. We've seen him do it already this season. I mean, I'm looking at possibly two interceptions this week against Trevor Lawrence on just decisions that you're like, whoa. Trevor, I don't know what you're looking at, but that wasn't it. And that's what I think the defensive game plan has to be. Yeah, DJ Chark is probably out for the rest of the season, which means that the wide receiver core, because I remember we did a preview, and I said that the Jaguars were sneaky good on offense. 
And I still think that. Like, if you have an offense that has skill players by the name of James Robinson, yeah, Marvin you cannot Jones Jr. discount James Robinson. He is he is a solid running back. I would welcome him into a Miami Dolphins jersey with open arms. LaVisca Chenault, who's a really, really good player. You know, missing DJ Shark is a huge blow to them. So, man, Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, they got to be able to put Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault completely on lockdown. I think they got to start changing some of those fronts. Some of those fronts have not worked, and teams are taking advantage of it by just doubling our zero, whoever we have at nose tackle. They double them, and they run leads behind them. It's been a mess all year. And I don't think it's enough that we could just go out there and say, look, we'll just give up four and a half yards per carry and force them into a third and five eventually. I don't think that's going to work that way because I think that they're going to feature James Robinson. I think they have to put people in the in the line of scrimmage. They're going to have to put guys in gaps, and they're going to have to try to – I think it's going to have to be part of – the chief part of their game plan is to keep James Robinson – you know, away from, you know, their secondary. Like, you cannot get let him get to the second level consistently because if they get an effective running game, I think that that alleviates a lot of pressure from Trevor Lawrence. I don't know if what you think about that or do you think that it should still be the focus of the, the entire offense should still be Trevor Lawrence? I mean, the, the entire focus of the defense should be Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I think they should try to focus on the run. I'm just a bit more pessimistic where I'm I'm not sure how they're going to stop the run because they, they just don't do it well. If they can do it, I'm all for it. I just don't know how they do it that well. My big thing with the defensive side of the ball, and I'll, I'll kind of ask the, you this question because, you know, you've been asking me most of the questions is, is this the week where we finally start seeing Phillips get a much bigger bulk of the snaps? What I'm talking about, in my opinion, he's been playing so well. I want him out there probably in the 80, 85% of snaps per game because he's just looking great every time he's out there. Just give Mm -hmm. him a chance. He's one of your best defensive linemen right now. Have him out there on the field basically all the time. He's going to mess up some plays. He's going to have some rookie mistakes. It happens, right? But let him go out there because he's going to make a ton of plays. Do you think he finally starts getting, you know, that number one spot on the depth chart? Because he started third on the depth chart. Yeah, I think I I think it's time that he starts playing uh, the bulk of the snaps, and uh, you start seeing other guys like you know AVG start seeing taking a back seat. Last week, if you, if you saw him against the Bucks, the Bucks tried to get away with using a running back on him, on Jalen Phillips, and Jalen Phillips tossed the running back aside and got the sack on Brady. And then for the rest of the game, they were very much aware of where he was. So yeah, it's time to they got to scrap some of those fronts that they're playing. Absolutely. And they're going to have to just start, you know, simplifying a little bit of what they want to do on on defense to try to stop the run because the Jaguars, you know, they're not going to do a lot of fancy stuff, okay? It's mostly outside zone, inside zone, split zone. They run three very basic run plays. They just have a really good running back. And their offensive line, they have decent tackles in Cam Robinson and Jawan Taylor. So, and Andrew Noel, who's a really good left guard. So, yes. You know, so you're talking about, you know, they're they're capable of running outside zone and the running back is really, really good at it. So they're going to have to simplify things. Just be simple and just use your athletes against them. And then your offense is going to have to help your defense because the offense has not helped the defense at all this year, except for week one. Okay, 
because well and you could make a case against the Raiders they had a 14 nothing lead but you know seven of those points was from the defense and then the offense got another seven and then the defense was doing the job on you know until the offense just started scoring for them right right but it's gonna have to be complimentary football the the offense is gonna have to help the defense you have to start off by having a very simple plan to to eliminate James Robinson from their game plan right and then have your offense apply so much pressure on the Jacksonville offense that they're going to have to start throwing the ball. And you have to get back to that formula, the formula that helped you win 10 games last year. Okay? You have to get a lead. So your yeah. offense has to help your defense in that regard. Okay? You cannot be going tip for tat with the Jaguars the entire game because that keeps James Robinson in the game. It makes right. him relevant. You got to take him out. You got to make sure they can't use him. And I swear – if I see a, a third down play by the Jaguars offense that is greater than third and three and the ends are Jabal Sheard and Brennan Scarlett, <laughs> I will lose my flipping mind flow. Put Phillips out there. You drafted him for a reason. Absolutely. All right. It's time to make the prediction. Uh, uh, Simon from, from a hospital bed has a prediction. He has the Dolphins 27, Jaguars 26. Okay. Okay, <laughs> so he's pretty down on this team still. So he he has them winning, but not even covering. I'll go ahead and say it. I think the Dolphins finally have a good offensive game, and they put up 31 points, and they beat the Jaguars 31 to 20, beat them by 11 and cover. What say you, Michael? Uh, I'm going with an 11 point win as well, but I'm going to go ahead and say 28 to 17 for the Miami Dolphins. I'm really only three points difference, but those three points seem pretty insurmountable to me after the offense I've seen. Yeah. And you know, it can only, it can only get better because they've been absolutely horrendous, but they've dug a huge hole and they start trying to dig out of that hole this Sunday, but that's it. There is no more. The next time we talk to you, we will have results and hopefully a two and four Miami dolphins team, because if not, the season would be over, but that's it. We will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. 
Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.